This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Fillmore from Nick Arcade. Video Game Show Bullshit. Don't accept no other shit. <laughs> he said Video Game Show Bullshit. <laughs> I think we're going to get him a no, shot and he'll no, wait, get it right. No, wait, hold on, hold on. Get it right. It's, it's Video Game Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay, all right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 116 of Video Game. Yeah, it's good stuff though. Um, so how have you been, Tristan? It's been uh, been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Um, man, it's been a busy couple weeks too. Uh, leading up to a uh, you know holiday weekend, which we're right in the middle of uh, recording on, and um. Yeah, yep. dude, it's uh, it's been crazy, you know, ever since the Kickstarter wrapped up successfully, I might add. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. It's always good. It's uh, it's definitely a relief, but it's it's kind of a rush, you know, and you know this better than I do because you've had more Kickstarters than me. But it's uh, kind of a cool thing having a Kickstarter and just watching those numbers grow and see the interest in your uh, your project. So it's really humbling. Um, it's, it's awesome yeah. and you know like my mentality was always like if a couple people dig what i do like i'll keep doing it oh for I... sure like yeah it's it's awesome i was gonna make the book regardless but i just want to share it with other people too so exactly know? that's I exactly on the cake. Like, like you and i are like kindred spirits to where we like <laughs> create things because we love them and we like yeah. them and um who just happen to be that you know people enjoy it too so we can make more of them which is really fun for sure like it's it's been a really really cool time um yeah no it's like uh, it has been a it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks um i've been getting uh things ready with mock-ups and a lot of stuff um nestember which mm-hmm. we have you know in full force um we were able to do second printings of ore body binders tales yes, finally um, which people have been asking for. Um, ironically, our, our marketing dude, Frank, uh, put it up on Friday on the 1st. And um, it was like like we didn't super push it. So Monday is going to be the big push is when we normally yeah. do orders and our launches. But people found out for sure because there's definitely been a, a little uptick in uh, ore bodies over the weekend. It's been fun. Oh, gosh. But Sorry, been- the marketing just reminded me of something. Did Frank tell you about uh, the ad that we're going to be putting out uh um, not not tomorrow Monday, but the the following Monday. No. Um. Yeah. So, and you saw that ad that I put on there. It's it's for the unnamed NES game that we're going to be uh, announcing. And we are launching, and as Tristan just alluded to, a brand new NES game a week from Monday, which will be the second week of September in 2023. For those years down the line, because video game bullshit is up on forever. But like we haven't announced it. We haven't done it. It's super cool to be able to have like a a brand new game. And this game does something on the NES that we've never seen done before. Um, Yeah, it's it's surprising. It's so cool, especially, you know, with all these NES maker like projects that come out. Um, all these new concepts that people are, are able to put together for the NES, these brand new NES games, you know, within the confines of that hardware, 
Um, it's just so cool to see what people put out. And, and this one's no exception. Like, um, you know, I haven't really had time to play any games because I've been so busy in these last couple of weeks, but I played this one just because I, I'm the one making the manual for it and I'm blown away by it. It's so good. I mean, I'm not great at it right now. Um, and we'll, we'll do a video game bullshit episode on it for mm-hmm. sure. Probably with the developer. Cause he is super interested in, in doing a, doing a recording with us. Yeah. So maybe we'll, we'll talk that game um and talk with the developer and have a good time with it <laughs> like so so what's this ad though that you're talking about so we had to we had oh, to do like gosh. It, it, dude it was, it was yeah okay so it was kind of a, a pr disaster averted um you know the the day that it's launching is you know uh, a day that you know kind of lives in infamy for us in, in the united states it, it was a bad day in in 2001 yeah well the ad the ad that I put together, some of the artwork kind of harkens back to that day in a bad way. So I had to alter it uh, so that it, it didn't. Yeah, it was it was bad. Like so we we kind of tweaked that that artwork or the uh, the advertisement so that it didn't look like we were, you know, leaning into the, the date. We'll Blowing just put it that way. Towers. Huh? Blowing up the twin towers. Yeah, something like that. Something <laughs> like that. Because, uh, you know, Frank told me to change the date, the date that I had on the, the ad. And I'm like, and I'm about to do it. I'm like, Frank, I can't do that. <laughs> Frank, no, I can't do that. Dude, That's look so at the ad. <laughs> so That's funny. Yeah. yeah, like, and so that's funny, though, because we do have to be cognizant of that stuff. Ironically, it probably just caught on and got a lot of publicity. Wrong kind of publicity. Yeah, publicity. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be responsible for that. Oh, um, yeah. And so we have a, a brand new game on week two and then week three. Um, we have some of a limited amount of the silver editions. Um, and we do like only yeah. we only do a, a few of those. Mm-hmm. So like we have um, some from Bobby six, seven available that um, sold out pretty, pretty fast on the mm-hmm. website. So we have a couple silvers left. Um, then we will see what else. We have another surprise, maybe a surprise announcement or something. Um, but then that goes forward to the fall direct that we've been teasing for a long time, um, with our next round of games. Ironically though, Tristan is we're going to have like every week, there's going to be something new at premium. So it's going to be like brand new game, then a second chance sale, because we have Raji in stock. We have Mm -hmm. they pixels in stock. Yeah. Eagle Island Twist and Love Three should be in stock like in a week or two. Like they're oh assembly. cool. See, I'm just now learning this myself. Like oh, I yeah. hadn't heard oh, that yeah. yet. And so those have been um those arrived, but our um production assembly they do their stock count reverse of how we do. Um, so they thought we didn't have enough of a game. I'm like, oh no, we we have enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I mean, when you're talking like, you know, limited print companies, though, um, you got to think about like we don't print a full 5000 of some of our, our slip cases and stuff like that stuff is, yeah. you know, more limited. We don't do 5000. So like those that are looking to collect all of the Nintendo Switch are going to be in a hurting with this generation because like like companies like us, uh, we can't do a 5000 right now. 
Like mm-hmm. we're just we're we're going by the beat of our own drum. We're uh, what I always say is the hipster artist <laughs> of the publishing community. Like I'm we go slow it. on purpose. We do this on purpose. Like we we could go harder and further and devalue all the value of all of our games and throw them in GameStop <laughs> for ten bucks. But like why would mm-hmm. we do that? Why would we do that to our developers? Like yeah. we'd rather take care of our developers, do it at a smaller level, but then we all earn more money, earn more money for the developers. It's exactly what I do with Hagen's Alley too, because we could like go with traditional publishers and get like pennies on the dollar, or we go at a smaller level, higher quality, and we earn more money by selling less copies. It's it's a weird thing. Um, it's what we do, and it's the yeah. passionate way. We get to do what we want. We're in control. We don't have anybody else telling us what we're doing. And, uh, the only thing we have to do is mm-hmm. Nintendo and ESRB guidelines for Nintendo. Yeah, and, and control is a big thing. You know, like Jeff and I want to make sure from a graphic design standpoint that everything is as it should be and, and the best product that we can put out. And if we're putting out like way too much and we have way too much on our plate, then we can't pay attention to that sort of stuff. So exactly. um, being able to take it slow means that you guys get a better product. And and you know what's cool is like we get to do spoiler time here on not really on, on video game bullshit, <laughs> but um information time. And so over the years we've done directs for premium. And so this fall there are two games that people know about that are finally dropping. Um one was a game that we released in the spring on the direct and was one more thing, and that's the Zelda like style game Anuchard. And it's mm-hmm. an action RPG, yeah. uh, you're like a bell wielder. It's pixel graphics, amazing artwork. Yeah. Um, music is gorgeous. The gameplay is solid. It's addicting. It is amazing. And um, we are sitting there able to work on it. Uh, the irony was, and this is what we realized this weekend as we were chatting, um, I think the art book is 150, 160 pages. Dang. And... In order to do a mini art book, we have to have like under 30 so a staple can go into it. So it fits in our retro yeah. boxes. So, um, you know, we may um, take a poll on premium and see if people want a hardcover one. And maybe we'll like, you know, help the developers out to print one for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to fit within the confines of a game release, unfortunately. No, that would always not that print. thick. I'd always help them print a hardcover, high quality one, you know, as a as a publisher, um, if they want to, we can. Um, but like that's a that game is going to be amazing, um, and that game is is we we're going to announce like the when they're going up for pre order as well on the direct, which we won't spoil here. The other <laughs> one, um, we've been waiting three years for this game. Um, and it's actually two games, and it's the Sunshine Anthology, which is Camp Sunshine and Sunshine Manor. Um, both of them have an overhead view, but they aren't necessarily um, Zeldas. They're more like horror-style mm-hmm. um, puzzle games. Uh, but there is a little bit of action in um, Sunshine Manor versus Camp Sunshine. But it's yeah. awesome. It's amazing horror and um, I've been going ham with uh, all the horror aesthetics because I love my uh, scary movies and stuff. And, you know, this one's been my baby for years. So, like, I got a little excited and I was like, oh, I created some covers. And you're like, hey, I create covers, too. And I'm like, oh, how do we use both? <laughs> both well, little shit. Like, well, we've we been that? working on it for so long. Like, you know, God, we just... you forgot. Like, yeah. yeah. 
And then the one that I did was in our Nintendo Power style, just like yours. Yeah. But mine has like Graham Humphrey's art popping. Oh yeah, out. yours is like and super cool. I was like, like, I was like, I had an idea. I was like, let me take the screenshots of dead bodies behind a pixelated and have like the crazy bear. Um, we haven't really announced the art, but um, the Graham Humphreys art for Sunshine Manor that we've been promoting, that's a Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah. We did a Camp Sunshine version. And so Graham Humphreys has a Camp Sunshine version with the killer bear. The same guy that did the Friday the 13th cover in Evil Dead did the killer bear. It looks so cool. That's there are sick, so many man. bodies and guts and death everywhere. Um, hoping the ESRB doesn't crush us for it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's always a crapshoot. Yeah, we're not putting it on the retail cover though, only on the collector stuff. Yeah, um, but it is a mature game, so it should be yeah. fine. Um, yeah, but it's it's gonna be super awesome. And then yeah, and we're gonna be doing a lot of like that guide. It's like this is your idea too, wasn't it, Tristan? We're gonna have the guide, and you flip it over, so it's like Camp Sunshine on one mm-hmm. side, you flip it over like and, and around. Yeah, and it's the and other guide. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's like a community member from that Steam community that worked on like a whole text based guide for both games. Yeah. And so we're working with them. We're working with the community. And mm-hmm. so he'll like my name. I already told Tristan my name ain't going on the spine. It's gonna be Abara and. Whoever this guy's last name is, we have his first. Yeah, name. I, it escapes me at the moment. It was a while ago that we talked to him, so. Yeah, but he'll be on there because he yes. contributed a lot of information. Oh, absolutely. Like I just worked on the cover, which I think is cool as hell. Like, <laughs> and the thing is though is that like I want people to be able to to get these games, understand them, um, because it's such they're they're big games. They're really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Then in between, we got a game that we haven't announced that is amazing. So and a secret game. And then I know because Barry on our team runs writes the scripts. I know that there's definitely some treats in there. He's going to talk about. Yeah. Hype button probably going to be part of the, the direct. That's, I'm sure. Yeah. So a lot of premium shit going on, which has been cool. <laughs> um, and you said you really haven't played much games besides for uh, he who shall not be named game that we will mm-hmm. be. <laughs> it will be launching. Um, so I played one game outside of our homework game. Um, and it is called Russell Quest. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, Russell yeah, Russell Quest. Okay, I'm familiar. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so um, I've been following it for a long time because um, I go way back with James and Mega Cat Studios and their mm-hmm. whole team. Um, little video game bullshit story. Uh, back in the day when I lived in D.C., I lived in Maryland, um, I went out to MAGFest and set up with Mega Cat Studios, who had an NES homebrew section. Nice. And so I sold my books there, which it's open 24-7, man. Like, that place is wild. It doesn't close. Wow. But, yeah, we were there. Um, I met the guy who did Super Russian Roulette. Um, oh, man. heck yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love that game. Dude, and, like, that guy is cool as hell. I think it was Andrew, is his name, Rotano or something. Did, you, like, uh, did you back the, the leather holster version? I wish no, I did. Neither. I wish me I did. It was, he had it with him, too, and this was after the Kickstarter was done. I was like, damn, I want that now. Like, it was, <laughs> um, yeah, we were playing that, and then we were playing the Bing Bag uh, game, um, mm. which is really, really fun one where we were, uh, we were playing. Because, you know, you play – you have the uh, – Bean, you throw the bean bags on the Nintendo Power Pad and it registers on there. Oh, you, you play bags back and forth. And oh, it's that's a whole clever. Game. 
based on it, and it's really fun. You know, these are old school NES homebrews too. This is back when they were still, you know, program using uh, Memblers and Temples programs and stuff yeah. to make the games. And yeah, super super fun. But yeah, so I'll go way back with MegaCast Studios, and um, you know, fast forward. Uh, they have always been working on modern stuff. They did the um, homebrew stuff and the retro stuff on the side while they worked on VR and modern games. So that was like their main thing was like VR. And so now they're, they did this game, WrestleQuest. This is like their newest one. And it's super cool because it's like, imagine like pro wrestling in a world dedicated to pro wrestling. That's basically Final Fantasy. Instead of yeah, it's such so a cool concept. It's like it's wild. You have all these like fake made up wrestlers, but they're not made up. They're all based on wrestlers. Like you have <laughs> this one because like the the main world champion in the game is the Macho Man Randy Savage, the real Macho Man, um, and he's in there. And um, but you have this guy who's like basically you know like a Latin American version of Macho Man. Yeah. Um, to me, that's kind of a reference to like Conan the wrestler back in the day. Um, mm. Or maybe like a, you know, like a Rey Mysterio or one okay. of those types of wrestlers, even though he doesn't have a mask. Um, and then you go to another story that happens concurrently up in Canada and you have a wrestler with with shades on and he has a moose tag team partner. But it's basically Bret Hart and Jim Danville Neidhart. Like it's basically that's awesome. Fun. And it's like hilarious. And um, you can choose if you want them to be good or bad uh, heels or faces and you can go through. Um, as you play, you uh, do turn-based actions. You do different types of moves or your special abilities. You can do taunts, and then you can tag in your uh, partners. Uh, but also, you got like little assist wrestlers that could come in and like do damage or buff your stats and stuff. And then, as you take down your enemy's health, you have to pin them, and the pin is time-based. So you have to do like you like oh, you have that's super cool. Yeah, hit the button. It's there. Otherwise, they kick out. And yeah. it's not super easy, but it's really, really fun. And the um the whole thing is like it's hilarious uh, talking in it. Like the whole um it's not like voice acting, but it's um a bunch of different story in there. Yeah. The story's hilarious. Um and it's all references to eighties and nineties professional wrestling. Yeah, that's and awesome. So good. Um, I'm in a section now that's dedicated to the junkyard dog. It's like it's called like BEW, but it's basically like ECW is what it seems yeah. like to me. Junkyard Dog is the is the the main guy. Um, I'm just going through. They have like giant statues dedicated to the uh, the legends in the area. Um, in the story, it cuts to a podcast by Conrad Thompson, who does a lot of podcasts with pro wrestlers. <laughs> and um, he started something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. He's done with Mick Foley. Um, but he does his with Diamond Dallas Page and Jake the Snake Roberts in there. <laughs> which is hilarious. And Jake the Snake has the snake on him at all times in it. And um, here's the best part. And me being a huge, you know, 80s guy and as a kid, 80s pro wrestling, no. I had Hasbro professional wrestling figures. The little plastic ones that had like the single point of action and they do something. Yeah. Like Hogan uh -huh. that every single wrestler is a toy <laughs> they're not wrestlers they actually have like the little circles there the really and even better is everybody in the crowd are classic 80s and 90s toys so there's like a ninja turtle looking guy oh my there's gosh, that's funny. a ton of toys um i think there's a part where you fight mad balls 
in there. They're not called Mad Balls, but you fight Mad Balls. So you don't just fight wrestlers. You fight toys all over the place. Oh, that's sick. So Mr. Potato Head that I had to save at one point, and he's like, he, he looks like a meatball or something. <clears throat> like, he, like it's like hilarious. How long and has so, that game been out? Um, I know it's it, it had been in development and been talked about for a long, long time. Um, it's been out for a couple weeks now. Okay. Um, yeah, just just probably right after we recorded, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that one is an interesting one. I know. Um, what who did? Mega Cat published Coffee Crisis with, I think it was was it with Playasia East Asia Soft. I think it was with East Asia yeah. Soft. Um, but the, I, I'm pretty sure that's who's publishing the physical of WrestleQuest, so it will have a physical in the future. I have it Good digitally deal. on my Steam Deck, yeah, but I, I will support. I will always support them, especially because I know the guys. Um, and my thing is, is that you know, like at premium, we're full up, and so if I know that people are going with whoever they go with just because i know the guy i never like ask or even expect to Mm -hmm. do a physical i know barry on our team reaches out to everyone but like i figured like these guys got their stuff going and i'm still going to support still want to play awesome ass games oh sure yeah of course doesn't matter if they go with us or not (laughs) no hard feelings there (laughs) exactly and the thing is is it's an awesome ass game i love it i love the passion behind it you can tell you know that they put their you know their their love into this game um, yeah, and I, I actually know of a couple people who they uh, reached out to, and they're um, they're NPCs in the game. Like, like uh, who do you know di- in there? Digitize. Well, I don't want to say his name, <laughs> but okay. but uh, yeah, he's a he's a, a YouTuber, podcaster, or whatever. Oh. Um, yeah. I know the completionist is in there, and um, Angry Joe's in there, and I, I saw Angry Joe. Um, the hmm. completionist did an episode on it, but then I didn't see Gerard where he said he was. He said he was Mr. Angry Joe. I didn't see him in my version. Maybe I, maybe mine's not updated. I don't know. Um, no, no. I didn't see. Him. I don't know. But yeah, I, I knew that they were doing uh, you know a bunch of cameos, which is really cool of them. Heck yeah, that's awesome. And by the way. In classic video game bullshit fashion, I am drinking a Samuel Smith's organic cider produced in the United Kingdom. That's and once again, I'm cheating on NOS with Rockstar <laughs> this time. Good, though. Going to that sugar-free. Oh, Tristan. dude, I've, I've got a funny story about NOS. Uh-oh, let's go. Uh, about a week ago, I actually reached out to NOS and like told them, told them like, everything that I do with uh, retro gaming and, and whatever – and I'm like, I'm looking, I, I would love to be sponsored by NOS. Like, I'm so brand loyal to you guys because I, I love NOS. And they actually got back to me uh, yesterday. Um, and they said that uh, NOS does not uh, sponsor any gamers currently, but uh, that I need, that they want me to reach out to their parent company, which is Monster. I had no idea that Monster owned them. But oh, um, yeah. so I'm going to do that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, might be Monster, wearing a Monster hat next week. <laughs> well, like Monster has definitely been at too many games because I remember <clears throat> a couple years ago our booth was right next to theirs. Yeah, like two, two or three years ago, and uh, so we have free monsters like all oh, weekend. That's, that's dangerous. I was, I was, I, I drink the Monster Zeros. So yeah, maybe same. maybe they'll uh, sponsor video game bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty dope. That'd be cool, but no, that's that's oh, awesome. Did, well, no, they own NOS. They won't. They won't care that that sign is up there. Nope, same brand, man. Yeah, that's awesome though. That's cool though. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you yeah. That, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my uh, 
history with energy drinks runs way too deep, and and it started because of the military. I blame the military for it. Ribbits. Um, yeah, rip ribbits, and well, honestly, ribbits. my first ever energy drink was Monster. Um, I tried Monster one time. Uh, we we were like, you know, we were six days on, one day off. Anytime we were uh, over deployed, so you know, twelve hour shifts. On our day off, you know, you just want to relax and do nothing. So um, my friend and I, uh, we had the same day off, and we'd always go to the the base exchange, grab a monster, and then just freaking chill, man. Yep. Dude, your your deployments were much different than mine. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that goes without saying. Their uh, army uh, first sergeant. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, is like you were deployed in the area that we would go to for rest and relaxation. That's right. That's right. And like, and and for me, it was 24. It was it was um yeah. 12 on 12 off for 15 months, like every day. Oof. And and we would run off and do missions and support. Yeah. And I mean, we were in Iraq, so it was craziness, like near the yeah, Iraq. It was nuts. I, I worked on the reconnaissance aircraft that uh, tried keeping you guys safe. So, <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, because yeah. the thing is, though, is that like there is a huge support system around all deployments. So just because you didn't go there, you served in the branch that you served in. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? that's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like all respect goes to anyone who serves, regardless of the branch. Sure. You know what I mean? And yeah, like it's just funny as like I've been I'm almost to the point where I've been in 20 years and. Like I just like over the last month I'm old and like I was doing <laughs> I was doing something and I pulled a muscle in my hip so I yeah. pulled my hip. Well, here's here's one thing about those deployments though that I never agreed with, uh, even though like I benefited from it. How did you feel about the fact that you got the same hazard duty pay as I got while over there? In that in that ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I almost died a bunch of times. Yeah, huh? Like lots of. <laughs> And I, I did not. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know my um my dog tag story, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. So my my army dog tags that I wear, I still wear the ones with the social security number on it. So the mm-hmm. DOD ID. So I was wearing them. I was changing in front of my chew. The chew is the compartmentalized um, housing unit or whatever. It's what it's mm-hmm. called. Chew. It's like basically you're in a big box. And that's where you yeah. sleep. Um, We had incoming. And it hit right outside my chew, went ripped through my door and hit me in the chest. On your dog tag. My dog tags. I was changing in front of the door. Yo. And so I got a big old dent in my dog tag. I got a dent in Dang, my dog tag. Where the shrapnel hit me and knocked my ass back and dent in my dog tags. And so saved my nice life. But it ripped me in two. Because it was a big piece, but it like hit Dang, me. Man. Boom, pushed me back. Yeah, I had a bruised chest for like a month. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so like I had, I had a lot of close calls like that though, where, yeah, yeah, it was nuts. Like, and you know, I got scars and stuff from like different crazy operations. And then I have one, which is hilarious one. Uh, Like I'm going to like talking, you gotta, like anybody who sees me at conventions, ask me where I got that scar and I'll make it crazier and crazier. But ironically, (laughs) um, it was in an airplane. Like I, it was on an airplane on the ashtray holder, but I'll. I'll talk about like, oh, yeah, I went um, down in the depths of hell with Doom Guy and a hell beast hit me on the arm. (laughs) Like, I was just great. The rest of them, though, are all from nutso ones. It's just Andrew gives me crap. She's like, that one? I was like, yeah, that one's like the the deepest one. And it was like a crazy thing. But, yeah, we got crazy stories. It was a fun time. (laughs) Hey, 
<laughs> it is what it is. That's why it's fun to be able to play and, and create video games and bullshit about them. That's right. Mm, good stuff. Yeah, so WrestleQuest, awesome-ass game. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened in the news? Anything happened in the news, Tristan, over the last couple of weeks? Well, we just had a, a Nintendo Direct happen uh, that was dedicated to Mario Wonder. Um, yeah. Went a little bit more in depth instead of that little teaser video that was about two two minutes long during the previous direct, which was yes. crazy. Um, but you know we're getting toward uh, I can't even remember is it is that the one that's releasing in October? I think it's October, right? Yeah, so it's releasing in October, and we're about a month and a half away from uh, the release of Mario Wonder. So people are starting to wonder. Wonder. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, they're starting to wonder, you know, what the game is about. Because obviously, you know, this is a reboot. This is the first 2D Mario reboot since 2006. Pretty awesome. It's been 17 years since they actually mixed up the formula for 2D Mario. So I, for one, am excited. Um, it sucks that, uh, you know, uh, Charles Martinet is not doing the voice of Mario anymore. That was that was another piece of news that came out in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, Charles Martinet is, is uh, now a brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. You know, uh, I, I don't know. Like, so some unnamed person is now doing the voice of Mario. They, they didn't exactly come forth and tell, you know, who's actually voice acting for him now. So. Maybe we'll find out in the future. Who knows? <laughs> to say. It's probably AI yeah. or something. So um, my favorite part about that direct, um, outside of seeing all the characters, because mm-hmm. all the different Yoshis you can play as, yeah, um, was the three new power-ups I thought were pretty cool. Um, we saw the elephant one. We knew that was yeah. coming, um, which is very interesting. But yeah. um, I like the drill power-up. Mm-hmm. So you can sit there, you can drill up, drill down into yeah. stuff to avoid things. I think that one's going to be have some unique, um, fun, hidden reveals to it. Um, and then what do you think of the bubble? I call it the – so, yeah, it's kind of a bubble, but I, I, I like calling it the Wonder Ball. Um, Wonder Ball, okay. Yeah, even though it's probably not a ball, but whatever. It's um, Yeah, it, that's a wild card because it's going to cause all sorts of goofy effects, I think. Uh, I mean, it's bubble bubble, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is bubble bubble. Oh shoot! Mm-hmm. You can that. even jump off of the bubbles. Yeah, like it's a, it's gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I don't like about the bubble though is that like Mario just turns pink. Like it's yeah. there's no like like little gimmick to his look for it. Sure. Um, yeah. So that was, they just did a palette swap, a, a Mortal Kombat esque palette swap. Yeah, it's like you get the fire flower, the ice flower, and the bubble flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's so oh, it's well. like that was the only thing is it's a little because there was a you know the ice flower so it's but um it should at least be an interesting one um it's also funny because like you can have a Yoshi ride on a Yoshi oh I didn't realize that that's kind of funny yeah pretty pretty interesting I um, mean I don't think I don't think the Yoshis can turn into an elephant or any of that so I'm not sure yeah. if they can mm. use any firepower or any any power ups but um they are invincible yeah and and you know i was going to touch on that that's really clever of nintendo they've always found ways to make it more accessible for younger players uh, and less frustrating you know obviously you're going to have lava deaths you're going to have pit deaths but um you know you're invincible like jeff was saying um and it isn't nap it also uh 
Nabbit also uh, invincible or something like that and playable. Yeah. So you have a couple of different ways in, you know, in past Mario games, if you like died a whole bunch of times, they would introduce like, you know, for instance, that uh, white Tanuki suit where you're invincible throughout the entire stage. So, um, you know, you knew that Nintendo was going to do something to make it more accessible. And I, that's pretty cool that they actually made Yoshi kind of OP. That makes all the Yoshi fans happy. And it makes yeah. uh, younger fans happy that they get to play as Yoshi. So, <laughs> I mean, and, and in the end, like, games are meant to have fun. Meant mm-hmm. for you to enjoy them. Yeah. If you want to play them hardcore, you can play them hardcore. Um, it's interesting you mentioned accessibility options because in WrestleQuest, they have accessibility options oh. when I was playing it. And you can adjust the settings to where you're invincible. It slows down the timing. Um, I think there's a couple other ones, too. So you can literally like t- tailor it back if you want to just enjoy the game. And a lot That's of cool. games have been doing that recently where they just allow you to you know play them easily. Have mm-hmm. fun. Um, which is cool. I do tend to find that I'm not playing the games on ultra hardcore, but I play them on medium now. I don't try to do anything crazy um, just because like, I just enjoy. I've my- never been the guy that's been like, okay, you know, there's, there's uh, five different difficulty settings. I'm going to put it on the most difficult. I, no, I'm not a sucker for punishment like that. No, no thanks. <laughs> I mean, I want to say it's been since I was in college, maybe high school that I played the game enough, enough times through to increase the difficulty to a master mode. Um, The first time in a long time was with you that I increased the difficulty, and that was when we played Dead Cells, this Castlevania one. Every time you play, you do another seed, and that seed makes the game harder. Mm -hmm. But I think that there were accessibility issues or accessibility options, so I just increased those. I can still play and enjoy um, that was the only time I played something enough to, you know, like go through. And that's a roguelike. So it expects you to play multiple times over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like there's there's no um, there's no way that I'm going to play something on hardcore mode anymore. That's just no. no, 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 no. Yeah, especially something like Resident Evil, where like, you know, it, it even further um, uh decreases the ammo that you get and increases the damage that you take and increases the the hit point you know like uh, all the damage that you have to do to the zombies it's just oh it's not fun it just makes it way more stressful you know what's ironic is i haven't even played any of the new remakes of the resident evil games and i know that they're amazing i uh, i played the remake of two and that's it it looks yeah. good it looks yeah. great mm-hmm. honestly i haven't played seven or eight um i have yeah. a lot of them uh, eight's amazing seven i didn't yeah. well no seven i played briefly Village. and holy crap it's uh terrifying in vr i'll tell you that much oh um by the way speaking of vr um i had mentioned this before i don't know if i mentioned it on the podcast but if london gets all a's on a report card i told her she would get an oculus yes um right now because we moved from Georgia to Hawaii, and Georgia has like one of the hardest curriculums. I think Hawaii has one of the easiest curriculums. <laughs> she has. Okay. She, we're at her first um, progress. She has all 100 percent. Hey. Not eight, 100. Good on her. So I might be screwed here and have to. Get <laughs> yeah, I think you are. At a quest two. <laughs> oh man. But 
I mean, that, that to me will be a gimmick. I'll probably play it a couple times, but I think she will be playing Roblox in it. Oh, you were saying that you haven't played anything in VR, right? Oh, dude, it's going to be mind-blowing to you. Um, it's it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I'm going to have to get recommendations and all that. You're also going to find out whether or not, like, uh, do, do you typically get motion sickness or no? Um, No, but... I yeah, mean, I'm the same I, way. I, but. It could, but um, ironically, because I got some new glasses finally, um, mm-hmm. my broke ass ones, I finally got my prescription. And when they change it to too strong or they change the pitch, I'll get sick from my glasses. So, oh, yeah. I, and I'm very um, far sight or nearsighted, so mm-hmm. I can't see stuff like in the distance. But like when I'm on my phone, I can't use my glasses. So with the VR, it might be interesting because my eyes, because they're so close. Yeah, like I might be okay without glasses. I don't know. Um, but. yeah, so I'm I'm the same way, but the opposite. Uh, like I'm very far sighted, and um, it, it, yeah, I I find that I don't have to actually wear my uh my glasses while I'm doing VR. Um, because you can adjust it. I mean, you know, obviously you're gonna get eye strain uh faster. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you'll you'll find out, and um, yeah, I definitely have plenty of recommendations for you. Um, oh yeah. Scary games, immersive scary games are, whoo boy. I just want to have fun. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's gonna be cool. Oh, um, so one thing that was newsworthy, not really, it's just a follow-up from uh, the last episode of Video Game Bullshit. Um, so we're talking your price guide. Um, yeah. Locally, there was a copy of Jack Brothers that I saw. Yeah. And, um, ironically, af- the day after I went back to book off to check out a copy of jack brothers and they had it for like i think it was like 200 bucks or 150 um what did they put it at two thousand dollars yeah now the price is jacked up yeah they didn't well yeah it was definitely over what you had in your price in your price point there i was like damn so like it was definitely i missed out because i should have picked it up when i saw it yeah i think cib i have that at seventeen hundred dollars right now that for two thousand there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. But I did get a copy of a game um, that I always play in emulation, um, and that is Super Mario Mario Super Picross or Mario's Picross. Oh, Picross, yeah. Cool. And I got the CIB version. Um, I love that game. I just play it all the time. I'm actually playing it on my analog pocket right now. Um, nice. And I say right now, I probably haven't played it in months on the analog pocket, but every sure, time yeah. I play it, I, I pop it on. Um, I've been playing that and the Konami one on the phone, the Konami Picross on the phone for like years, and I just play through. Um, it's really fun, like little like time waster stuff. I usually play the Konami one. I'm in at airports. Speaking of analog pocket, did you see what they just released uh, two days ago? One? Yeah, glow in the dark analog pocket. That's cool. That, that makes cool. me that makes me wonder, and I I know for a fact because I've you know I, I'm I'm a console guy. There's never been a glow in the dark console before. Um, how is that not a thing? Like I never even was, thought about that. Was not one of the N64s. Was it just green or was it glow? It in was the just dark? green. Yeah. Just green. Yeah. Marianne? Never had a glow in the dark. There were plenty of like clear ones and and yeah. themed you know colored ones, but never a glow in the dark console ever. Very interesting. This is the first one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's um 
It's, I'm not going to buy a second one. But, no, uh, me neither. <laughs> Had I not yeah. already bought one, yeah, I probably would have been like, you know, clicking F5, like refreshing the, you know, uh, the queue to try and get one. But nah, nah. Well, it's and it's interesting, too, because you got all these Steam Deck killers and all the stuff announced all the time now. Oh, dude. Um, oh, every day now. Every day. And um, analog, there's stuff that's like parallel to the analog pocket coming out or all these emulation handhelds that are cheap. You can get like a $75 one that looks cool. Um, yeah. Now, to me, the analog pocket's still the top one and Steam Deck are my top two. Um, the, yeah. sec- the third one is that one that we talked about. I think it was on episode 101. Um, but it's like the one that looks like a Nintendo Switch. And it's um, it's really cool because I have it sitting over here, too. Oh, I can yeah. Grab it. But um, I like it because um, it's like an O-Droid Go mm-hmm. or something like that. But it looks like a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And what I like about it, though, is that um, I met a guy through John Lester, GameStar 81. We were on his channel. And he programs, like, the, um, the operating system for it. Mm. And he has tape mode. Yeah. And so you can play the games in tape mode with the controls this way. So you can play some of the arcade games the way that they're supposed to be played. I, I love that, you know, we've already like talked about a couple of things and um it's it's a great segue into when we eventually talk about our homework. Um because we've talked yeah. about this accessibility and we've talked about tape mode now. Um yes. both Is that of them. No well not yet. Uh, so I was gonna say just before, you know, whatever, um there was another uh, game console that just came out within a couple weeks uh, since we last recorded. Uh, the Atari 2600 Plus. Oh my out. gosh! Yes. Yeah, that one snuck out. Yeah, like that was a hilarious announcement because I looked at it and like I could I could not be less interested <laughs> in a console. <laughs> Like, I don't know why. Like, why do I not care about this thing? Like, I grew up with an Atari. That was my first console outside yeah. of having a outside of having a, you know, a um, Commodore 64 in the house. I had mm-hmm. a heavy sixer, which then I got the junior um, later, the junior four plasticky one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like, I mean, it comes with what, a 10 in one multi-card or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yep. it plays all the new homebrew stuff, 7800 games. With the same I mean, crappy joystick. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm just like, that's not my era. No, um, me neither. I came into my own in the 8-bit NES, so that is as far back as I go. I same. prefer uh, 16-bit for the beauty, but I really, really have went to retro-inspired indie games, which is why, mm-hmm. like, even with premium, that's kind of what we we go toward. Um, yeah. That's my favorite all of all time. Um, retro inspired because then there's no limitations and people could just get creative as they want. But like Super Nintendo is and and Genesis are my and Turbo Graphics it's my favorite era, yeah, by far. But I love me some Nintendo Entertainment System as well. Like, I gotta say, you know, I I grew up with the NES same time as you. You know, we're the same age, almost exactly the same age. And um, like uh, I, my favorite era was the was the one right after your favorite era. I think uh, PlayStation and N64 and Sega Saturn was my favorite generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of came in, you know, really hard with Super Nintendo. But then, like, 
when it came to PlayStation, like I bought the PlayStation because the N64 was disappointing me with the lackluster releases. Uh-huh. Never had a Saturn until much later, um, but I did get a Dreamcast. And, you know, I was working, so I just would be like, all right, so there's no games coming out. Let me get this. Mm-hmm. And so the Dreamcast, but like, I just, I don't know. It just it doesn't hold up well for me, that era. Yeah. Like it just yeah. doesn't hold well for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, PlayStation and Saturn, uh, I, I can endlessly go back to, to games on those two consoles and play them, like, just endlessly. There's so many titles. Yeah, like, I, I can't go back to anything 3D on those without, like, being disappointed. <laughs> but the pixelated games that are on those, especially Saturn, but also some of the few PlayStation ones that came out, um, like, even the ones in Japan, like the Adventures of Lomax and stuff like that, mm-hmm. are like, amazing because that like that's what i like those independently developed retro inspired pixelated games though that era does have some of the best the yeah. problem was they focused on all the um all the polygonal games at that point sure yeah when when, when 3d it was know. just a lost a lost era for uh 2d whatever <laughs> everyone was trying 3d everybody oh yeah everybody was and so like to me it's an interesting construct. Now, I do have some favorites on those, those titles for sure. Um, definitely had some great experience. Hell, we talked a whole on the party games. Most of that was from yeah. that era. And mm-hmm. so, they're awesome. So many good experiences. But the stuff that I go back to is my 8-bit, 16-bit brethren. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I continually go back to to this day. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, very interesting with the Atari. What is it called? The VCS or what's it called? 2600? 2600 plus. Yeah, like I'm just couldn't be less interested. Seems like <laughs> yeah, me neither. And it, you know, it, it came out with just a uh, a whimper. Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's all of a sudden on Amazon for I think it's 129.99 if you want to buy it right now. I no. could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's the price. Stuff's crazy. Yeah. Stuff's me. Crazy. Uh, I don't think that's uh, that's a good price to you know play some some upscaled. Uh, Two bit, one bit, what what bit is that? Four bit? <laughs> I think it's like sixty four k. I don't know. Atari? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever 8K? it is. It's probably eight k. Like eight yeah. kilobytes. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's tiny. Um, but yeah, I just there are some some classics that I enjoyed on that on those games, mm-hmm. but like those I enjoyed when that was the only options. And sure, yeah. No, I mean it's super nostalgic, but like. You know, to, to sit here and pretend like any of them like aged well outside of a couple of like really class, you know, classic games, of course. But even then, like those classic games were born in the arcades and there were terrible ports on the 2600. So why are you going to go and play Pac-Man on the 2600 when it's a terrible game? Um, you know, like maybe maybe playing Adventure. Sure. <laughs> like Adventure, Yars Revenge, um, Classics, Pitfall, yeah. like uh-huh. those that were on that console that were unique or fun but yeah. like some of the others are just inferior ports and i mean unless we did like a premium challenge at a convention where we busted out an atari game just to mess with people like i wouldn't yeah <laughs> there's there's really no reason to own a um uh, an atari 2600 plus unless you're uh, an enthusiast of of that console um yeah you're not you're not gonna all of a sudden be a modern gamer or even a retro gamer outside of that uh, generation, and then you know buy that thing and be happy with it. I, I really don't see that happening. Now, on the other side, from an aesthetic standpoint, though, I do get 
the clean look of the pixels because i mean if you think about yeah. it on a yeah. much better way we have a game called love three for premium mm-hmm. and that game's an addictive pixel platformer has aesthetics that look like it's out of like sure or the jump man um is more you know, appropriate from the commodore 64 jump man jump jump man jr mm-hmm. um but then it's like the music in it is so good like yeah. the music in, in that game is what makes it and it's a modern game it's not a retro game so no it's yeah it is still only need one button but. although it'd be cool to see uh, uh fred wood make um a demake on the 2600 that could be done <laughs> that could be done that would probably be stellar honestly yeah um then you get me to play then i'll buy the atari uh, 2600 <laughs> it should uh, be a pack-in should be the only pack-in yeah <laughs> yeah Oh, craziness, the Atari. Like, yeah, there's so many things. Um, the other thing that came out recently is a game that I don't plan on buying, but maybe you will. I don't know. Um, it was just released uh, a little bit ago. It's called Starfield. Star- no, I don't, but definitely not. Uh, yeah, but that's the. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's telling me it's a 140 hour game. Yeah. Star- Sky- Skyrim in-, in space, basically. Wow. Um, I mean, I mean, do you go off on planets or do you just fly around in space? Like, I, I think yeah, there are, there are tons of different planets, to, ton, tons of different ecosystems, um, unique ecosystems to each planet as well. Um, oh, really? So it's really expansive. It sounds like it's it's definitely going to be in a, su- a successful IP um, and played for years to come. You know, just like Skyrim, it's going to be ported to everything. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, you have it, a copy for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Plus. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Are we uh, but no. the Switch or now? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. Not for the Switch, but probably the uh, successor to the Switch. Oh, oh, that's another thing. Did you see the rumors? I mean, I see all the rumors, but what do you? What? Do you, what's the rumor now, Tristan? So apparently, it has a name. Uh, the Switch. The Switch 2. Really? Yeah, right. and, and a logo. Um, this was making huh. the rounds last weekend, or maybe the beginning of last week. Um, it's supposedly going to be called the Switch Focus. I mean, excuse me, Nintendo Focus. Nintendo Focus. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. So, yeah. That's very uh, very creative people out there, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I, you know, whether or not that's there's any truth to it, uh, whatever. Um, you know, obviously Nintendo's not did going to come any, out and... So did they have any proof? Like, did they have, like, patent offices that they saw at ESRB? Because usually that's... I, I really true. didn't dive that deep into it, but, uh, yeah. That's just... That's the latest rumor. Well... That's all I'll say. I will, I will tell you one thing. Unless they do closed publisher release of their console like not true sure <laughs> yeah like, I, I, I have access on the developer and publisher portals for nintendo as yeah. a third party so unless they do something close that they just invite the the big boys to like your capcoms and your konamis to um there's nothing out there yet mm-hmm. i mean because nintendo could very well do that is bring in some of the the bigger companies first uh, but there's nothing on the developer or publisher portal even hinting at a new co- new thing. And even to put those rumors to bed from my perspective, at that Nintendo Direct, they announced a new console. The Mario console for the Switch OLED. They did a Mario. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh-huh. like, 
they're not going to be releasing another <clears throat> variant and then release a Switch folk guy. Like. Yeah, um, <laughs> especially not uh, before. So any, any announcement's going to come after uh, the holiday. Because yeah. if, if, if they make an announcement right after, you know, announcing this Mario OLED, um, you know, for a successor successor for the switch then everyone's just gonna wait um, yes why would they yeah, take the I wins mean, out of their own sales and if they decide to launch it it'll probably be in the spring is what they've been doing recently they used to mm-hmm. do fall yeah it was like march spring. april is always traditionally when they do it yeah but i remember october was when i got my nintendo 64 so that was like uh-huh. But um, yeah, Although the Wii, yeah, the Wii came out in October. No, November. It was November. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then Switch was spring. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it's spring was pretty successful for them for that time frame. Um, and the thing is, is that you know, there's no, there's no telling what the Wild West will be. Um, my hope is yeah. that it is backward compatible. Um, my <clears throat> assessment back when we did the Switch Mania Playcast, the premium playcast, was that Nintendo would do the Switch like iPhones. That was my that was my assessment, is uh-huh. that they would continually upgrade the specs incrementally over the years. So when Nintendo does their next thing, it'll literally be a Switch, but with better capabilities on every aspect. Sure. And they'd be stupid not to at this point because man, they've they've really hit on something. I don't know why they would go and and reinvent the wheel when they've basically invented the wheel. <laughs> you exactly. know, with with the switch. It's so successful. It's such Yeah, I mean and and they could even do something like so you still have the switch and they could add a gimmick to it for the focus. They could add a gimmick to it. They could do whatever. But it could literally just be a switch with upgrade specs and everything, and then it can do like I don't know, VR on your head. You put it on your head for yeah. VR. You do whatever. Like I don't know what the focus thing would be about it. Like I have no idea. But yeah. they could add gimmicks to it and continue. Because uh, the other piece is is that those little switch cards. Um, I mean, they may have to find a more affordable way to do it, but like those can be expanded forever. Yeah. It can be expanded. So. I mean, you can put a AAA game on a Nintendo Switch cartridge. It's just they're expensive to do, which all memory cards, all hard drives were expensive at one point. They come down in price as the tech becomes familiar mm. and they're able to mass produce them. So yeah. to me, it's like they should continue to go with the Nintendo Switch um, versions. The only thing is, is that it, they'll probably do a notch or something like they did with the 3DS. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Over the DS, so that way you can't accidentally push put a new cartridge in the old one, but you can fit all yeah. the Switch games in it. So like literally, they'll like a knot, so you can't put it in the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so it's idiot proof. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Got to make it Jeff proof. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, but yeah, so far that's I haven't heard of the Focus one. That's funny. Let's get a Focus. Yeah, if you if you Google uh, Nintendo Focus, you'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah, it, it takes any graphic designer it, amateur um, to come up with a logo. So yeah, while it looks like an official logo in a, in a very nice font, um, uh, it, it, pff, huge grain of salt. Huge grain of yeah. salt. I just well, wanted to put that out there because those rumors were flying like a few oh, days yeah. ago. Well, we could call it the Nintendo operating system. 
The NOS. The NOS, yes. <laughs> <laughs> already got it on your wall. You already got some some branding for it right there. Sponsored by NOS. They're by Monster. <laughs> Sponsored by Nintendo. NOS. Yeah. Noster. Like, oh, gosh. Um, Shall we segue to the game of the episode? Sure. So, as we had done the we did the Nintendo or not the Nintendo, but the indie game roulette. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Um, our game of the episode is called Xeno Hell. Yeah. Um, Xeno Hell was released on October 14th, which is actually my birthday, ironically. Um, 2015. So wow, it's that old. Okay. This game. Um, and it was uh, developed and published on Steam by Team Bry Bouncer Fox. Um, Xeno Hell is a 90s inspired shoot 'em up. Shoot 'em up. They, they wrote shoot 'em up and then shmup in parentheses mm-hmm. so you can hit all the tags. Yeah. Um, and it's all about simple gameplay. Just dodge, shoot, score with vibrant pixel visuals and a kicking. 28 sound it's 28 track soundtrack 28 it's tracks 28 tracks man gosh lots of content to boot um let me see if there's anything else here um the game does contain profanities at some point so tread carefully that's what it says hmm. um so it um has six stages of ever increasing scale and intensity but there are more for especially skilled pilots unlike myself i am not especially skilled secret mode that you can unlock um mm. three player ships offering completely different play styles with some more that you can unlock by playing the game um you don't have dlc um 28 soundtrack made by jorgen g dj underscore empathic 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 e-m-p-h-a-t-i-c empathic mm. um slowinger so it sounds like um Slowinger. Um, so it looks like something interesting within the developer's name. Um, but that you get for free with the game. Just look at the data files. So apparently in the data files, you have all of the soundtrack in there as well. Wow. Um, three different gameplay modes. Music modding lets you swap out the music for your personal favorites. So you can swap out the MP3s with your own music, apparently. Um, and options that let you customize the game. Tate mode, it says. Yeah, buddy. Um, Filters, transparent metals, and more. Gameplay from times when it was more about reflexes and less about complex scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it says they, uh, the developers are excited to finally show the game to the world, and we hope that you will be as excited to play it as we had making it, which is really cool. So go ahead, Tristan. What are your thoughts on Xeno Hell? Xeno Hell. So as a shmup aficionado... I was uh, pretty excited to play this one. Um, I've got a lot of shmups under my belt. Um, I, you know, just uh, just to give a little bit of background and my credentials, um, I've played every single Japanese uh, shmup on the uh, Saturn. Um, I have a collection of Xbox 360 Japanese exclusive shmups. I bought a Japanese 360 just so I could play them. Um, got uh, you have radiant silver gun. What's that? Have radiant silver gun. Oh, of course, of course so I do. So do I. So do yeah. I. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite shmups on the, uh, the Sega Saturn, but, uh, you know, obviously I got the, uh, the one that was released by limited run as well. Um, yeah. So anyway, all that being said, um, I have, uh, a lot of praise for this game, but a lot of gripes as well. Okay. Nice. I got a few as well. Yeah. Um, I played in Tate mode, and I, I will uh, say that, yeah, it's probably Tate, but I don't say that. It's Tate mode to me. Tate mode. Yeah. Exactly. Tate mode. So I'm going to call Tate it Tate mode, mode from here on. From GameSack. Tate mode. Yeah, Tate mode. Um, yeah. So I played in Tate <laughs> mode on an ultra or a uh, super ultra wide monitor that's sitting off to my right right now. Um, awesome. And even that wasn't enough real estate for this game, I feel. Um, so on a regular, like, uh, regular oriented, if you're not playing in tape mode, I, I don't think it'd be even remotely playable. Um, what about on a steam deck with a tiny screen, not in tape Ooh, mode. gosh. Oh, I can't wait to hear how you fared. <laughs> oh, oh I got, boy. I, got, I only got a few complaints. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I would have a lot of complaints if I played on a steam deck. So, um, you know, I used an Xbox uh, Series X controller hooked up to my PC, and I, I did feel like there was a little bit of lag um, for the controls, and maybe it was my setup, uh, maybe it was the game. I had, I, I had no lag on Steam Deck. Okay. So it was my setup. I mean, and I'm talking like microseconds, but it was, it, I could you feel that up. there was a you little bit of a lag. Yeah. Which makes a big difference on a, on a shmup, especially one that's bullet hell, which this one is. Definitely um, is. A lot of modern shmups um, and a lot of uh, ones that are 90s inspired uh, even, um, they'll... So the, the hitbox is really big in this game. Your entire ship, if uh, a pixel of uh, a bullet hits the ship, then that's it. Um, instead yep, of it was like that. What's that? That was like that for you. Yeah. Wasn't like that for me. How's that? What what mode Search. did you play on? Uh, medium mode. Okay, I played on arcade mode or something like that. Because I I noticed that I had a tiny spot for ship damage. Oh shoot! Yeah, my entire ship was uh, a hitbox. Did you have a carve button too? Uh, I like, don't know what that is. Slower. So no, uh-uh. Down the attack, it goes a little slower. Oh, we played different modes, dude. I think okay. We modes, well, dude. shoot. Uh, all right. Well, maybe some of my gripes have been fixed in a different mode. So I'll talk about arcade mode then. Oh, I did not play in arcade mode. I played in a different mode. Okay. Yeah, I played arcade mode in, our, in arcade mode. Your entire ship, uh, just like early 90s shooters, uh, is a, a giant hitbox. So... Yeah, instead of like I was going to say, like a lot of modern ones, it's just a little pixel in the middle of your ship. That's the hitbox um, or hurtbox or whatever you want to call it. Um, So it's really punishing in arcade mode, especially that uh, like if they would have made the bullets from the oncoming ships just a little bit slower, it'd be playable but they're way too fast for you to even react to. Maybe I'm just old and I don't have good reaction time or whatever, but I'm pretty good at shmups. So it's okay when you only have the dot. <coughs> yeah. But um, I think yeah, it, it was really hard. Like, yeah. There might be just an option for the dot too, that I turned on. It could be. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to play around with that and see uh, what options I was missing. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad we had different experiences because um yeah I I didn't know. Um, dude, the soundtrack is amazing. So good. The whole time I'm just like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like everything is super good in that that game. Like as far as the, the soundtrack is concerned. I would have liked to see a little bit more polish on the the graphics. Uh, they're pretty simplistic. Um, so while it was a fun shmup, it's not one that I would ever recommend us at Premium um, doing. Well, if we could get like all the games in the series, because mm-hmm. there's three Xeno. Oh games. yeah, as as a combo, yeah, that'd be awesome. Plus, there's um, two other, three other games that they've released as mm-hmm. well. Besides for the Xeno games, so yeah, <clears throat> yeah, man, freaking craziness though. So, so, how did you fare on your Steam Deck in the other mode? So, I first tried to do tape mode, um, but with the Steam Deck, the controls are hardwired. So when I turned it sideways, there's no way to change the button layout. So I can't just like set the buttons customly. Mm. So I can't make it so it goes up, down, left, right, like I needed to. So I couldn't play in tape mode unless I put it like on on the side and use the controller with it, which I can do with yeah. my Steam Deck. I could use a Bluetooth controller. Um, but instead, I just played it on my normal one. Um, so I wrote down, you know, it's a um, a vertical shoot 'em up, three different ships with power and attack, different powers and attacks, tiny spot for ship damage, <laughs> <laughs> and there is a carve button. So when you hold down the button, it does like a big, more powerful shot, and you can move slower and weave through the bullets a little bit better. Um, so that to me, it plays exactly like I wanted to shoot 'em up to play. Okay. Um, game is super fast to the point that I can't keep up. Like still, yeah, too it's fast. too fast. It's it's yeah. unfairly fast. I wrote I wrote in in parentheses. Am I too old? <laughs> That's funny. No, it's it's not just you. Um, I I really feel like they needed to tweak that a little bit more. because yeah. um, it's it's unfairly fast. Now in the mode I played, you can keep playing uh, with continues forever. So I beat the whole game. Um, yeah. I continued a million times, but yeah. I still I, I wanted to play through it. Um, yeah, I, I got to the end of five, I think. And then after beating regular mode, I unlocked boss rush mode. Oh, it's pretty cool. So I unlocked boss rush mode. Has a lot of other modes too. Um, I wanted to play them to talk about them, but I didn't play any more because uh, I got sidetracked by another thing. Yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I had on my Steam Deck was Xenodyne R. Yeah, that's the other one in the series. And so there are a bunch of ones in the series, but I had that one already installed in my Steam Deck because there was like a two for deal. And um, (laughs) that's right. I didn't see that two for deal. (laughs) Yeah, this one was released in 2016, has is more casual, um, has a casual mode, tons of unlockable ships. There's ships from the games that they released later that are unlockable in this game that they put Mm -hmm. backward unlockable. Um, So if you consider Xeno Hell Bullet Hell, Xenodyne is classic 90s shooter. Okay, cool. It's freaking awesome. It, it's way, like, to me, it's more my style. It's um, I did not play it too much, though. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, there's it's still crazy. It's still fun. But it was released later, so I feel like it has a little more polish on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the question is, since we've both talked about it, and, you know, we got through it a little bit, 
Um, is this a game that will be in your rotation, Tristan? Is it a, a thumbs up, down, thumbs up, thumbs middle, thumbs down? That's the question for it. We used to give it grades and stuff back in the day. Um, we could do the grades because we give grades on our stuff from premium as well. So mm-hmm. we'll do the thumbs up. Like thumbs up is like it is in my rotation. I'm going to play it every year for the rest of my life. Like I do. Metroid, Super Metroid. Is it thumbs in the middle, which it was cool? Or is it I'm never going to touch that shit again? Yeah, we'll, we'll go thumbs in the middle there. Thumbs in the middle. I am yeah. absolutely a thumbs in the middle guy as well. Um, now, when we do grades. Um, with the grades, too, we can use our, you know, we also publish video game lens on yeah. as well. Um, so how we used to do with video game bullshit was it would be like A, B, C, D, F. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have with premium, we also have an S tier, which is like known IPs that would be amazing yeah. to do. Yeah. So like Mario 3 would be an S tier. <laughs> yeah. Mario Wonder will probably be S tier so without us even playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. S tier. Um A tier is like classics, really great, awesome, amazing games. Uh mm-hmm. B B B tier is like fun games, great games, but they're fun. Have a couple flaws, but they're good. C game is like eh. And then D is like didn't have fun with it. And then yeah, F no. is like I don't even want to play it. <laughs> so yeah. What, what kind of grade would you be leaning toward? Because you can do like a, a C lean into a B or a C lean. Yeah, into a C. And, and that's where like, I'm lean. right on the 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 cusp of C plus B minus. I, I would be more inclined to give it a B minus. That's like a C to a B, like it's leaning. Yeah, um, okay. and maybe maybe uh, maybe it'll solidify, maybe solid B minus if I, I like the other modes. Because um, you know, to be fair to it, I, I didn't play in the mode that I would prefer with just a pixel for a hitbox. So I would say the Jeff from ten years ago would have this as a solid B title. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm getting older with bullet hell shooters, like I'm more of a traditional shoot 'em up fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking I'm leaning more toward like a, a C plus type of range and it's going up to the B, uh, just like yours because of the amazing soundtrack. Like that. Sure. Yeah. The soundtrack is freaking awesome. It's that's in the A's man, the soundtrack. But unfortunately I think this, the bullet hell genre itself, I just die so much that there's like no chance that I'm going to my my reactions aren't going to get get there to the point where I'm enjoying myself because there's so much going on screen and bullet metal shooters, well, not traditional shoot 'em ups now. Yeah, so I love shoot 'em ups. Well, shoot 'em ups and even bullet hell shooters like you're supposed to be able to if you're good enough to one CC one credit clear. Um, I don't think it's possible in this game because it's just it's unfairly fast. It's unfair. Uh, yeah, I'll just say it. Be- um, maybe with some memorization, like I, I, I'm probably just not good enough to get there. But I feel like I died way too much. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I am good at, at bullet hell shooters. Like, um, and this one I, I felt was way too fast. The thing is, is that like back in the day, which I haven't tried it in probably f- over five years. I mean, I'm, I'm great at Rekka. Like mm-hmm. I am, I can, I don't take damage in Rekka, which yeah. is, you know, a Famicom shoot 'em up. That's mm-hmm. it's does so many pixels on the screen. It's crazy. That's running on a Nintendo entertainment system. Yeah. Like a, a Famicom. And I can do great at that game. So like, 
I that game has, has a lot moving on, but it's not unfairly fast. And this game yeah. might just be unfairly fast. Um, I just might have to find the the polished shoot 'em ups and get me back into it. I mean, because to me, Radiant Silver Gun, Ikaruga, those are S tier. Like, yeah, they are, and like, and it's because uh, the the developers hit a, a very good balance um, between you know the abilities of your ship and then like everything that's being thrown at you. Um, yeah. In something like Radiant Silver Gun, if you die, it's your fault. I never yeah. really felt like it was my fault in this one every single time. Yeah, there there were some situations where I'm like, oh, geez, I was just too slow to get past that. But then, like, there are other bosses that just throw everything at you all at once and way too fast. That I'm like, there's no way I could have dodged any of that. There's no, no way. No. And, I mean, I got lucky a few times, but, like, I, sure. I'm not that good. And, um, yeah, so the thing is, is that, like, even at premium, we have a shoot 'em up coming, um, horizontal. Um, yeah. that game to me is an A to maybe an S tier. It just depends mm-hmm. on how much he polishes it when he finishes the game up. Because yeah. it, it's already amazing. And, yeah, that one, it should be coming in the next year or so. Um, we haven't announced it, nor will we. No, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait, man. It's, oh, yeah. I love it. But, um, yeah, but that's the thing. So, um, so that was cool though having a having a shoot 'em up here. Um, we we played Rekka on um, on video game bullshit back in the day, oh, season cool. one, and we actually played Crisis Force as well. Oh, very oh, nice. Some Crisis Force. I've actually that got game. a physical copy of Crisis Force. I got not see, Rekka. I mean, that one's kind of expensive. I got to see. I got a cart only of Rekka, not a yeah, nice, not a CIB. Yeah. Um. So shall we? Bust out the Steam Deck. Let me make sure as we're going. Um, so it's super cool though to see, you know, developers that are releasing brand new indie titles. Um, mm. so as I go to Deck Roulette, um, shall I go to uh, budget or regular games? Cheaper games, or should I go to regular games? I, I like I'm I like regular. honestly going with regular. I just there's a, a better chance of I think us playing a good game that we might sign. That's just my thought. Yeah. Um, so, and just so you know, I continually add games to my Steam Deck every yeah. week. I have sickness. Um, and though I have removed quite a few as well, games okay. that I I haven't necessarily ventured in. So I'm about to hit the button. You ready? <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Hit the button, and let's see if the music pops up. Nope, not yet. So it is called Gajor Story. S K J O L O U R story. <laughs> huh. Okay. I got some random stuff. So let me type her in. So it's, <laughs> I don't know how to say that word. S K O L. So it's D U R. S K J O L D U R story. Light. Oh, story. Pastoral adventure. Explore a vast and whimsical world confronting okay. angels in whichever order you choose. It is a 2D adventure game. Like oh, that Legend. is very Zelda-y. Yep. It looks amazing. Not a great name. Can't yeah, even say that's it. very Scandinavian. Skjoldur. I mean, it's Viking style. Like, yeah. I, mean, I have Viking heritage. So, um, it's a Zelda It's a Zelda game where you all you get is a shield. Um, in this lighthearted adventure, explore and fight your way through a vast and whimsical world with nothing but a magical shield at your side. Discover, huh. unlock, and conquer dungeons in any order using power stones you collect along your travels before confronting a final evil source. I won't spoil anymore. 
but yeah, it looks really, really cool. It's made Ooh. by, developed and published by Snoozing Pixels. Snoozing hmm. Pixels. So it is about to be added to my favorites, so that way I can play. Stories. Yeah, it's like Mjolnir, the you know uh, Thor's hammer. So we'll say Skuldjur, Skuldjur story. Like Skuldjur. This looks really cool, actually. I'm I'm watching the uh, the thing on um, Steam and. Dude, that's the thing. Like all these games, regardless of the names, like they're all cool. Um, Every I have over 300 games in. The, re- the regular and over 200 in the budget. And the thing is, is that I'm creating a book <laughs> for these. Nice, um, nice. And so the thing is, though, is that, you know, it may turn into something that we might want to sign for premium. It might not. It might be something that goes into the, you know, indie, indie gems, gaming gems book. Yeah. Steam Deck edition. I'm going to put Steam Deck on there, but like it's everything that can be playable on a Steam Deck. <laughs> I'm going to. Playing a little Skuldjur. Um Yeah, so uh, that like surprisingly, Tristan, we got a a lot of a uh, good time here. Um, and uh, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about demo discs and stuff. So um, we'll have to hold that one for a future episode for sure. Um, thing is, though, get your favorite demo disc ready. Uh, yeah. But is there anything you want to put out as we're <laughs> signing off here, Tristan? Yeah, just one last thing. So uh, <laughs> Jeff showed off one of his uh, his little uh, like cases. Yeah, exactly. I got something in the mail unexpectedly. <laughs> I'm like, oh crap, Jeff hooked me up. <laughs> well, yes, dude. We're thank you so much, it. man. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's cool as hell. Like everything works out in the wash. Like we always do cool stuff and. Like it's a, it's a really fun one. Um, so in mine, how I do it though is in this side I have all the mm. premium releases. Oh, I'll be doing so that got, for sure. I got some holes for Eagle Island and Love Three and yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. And Wife Quest, and that'll fill up side one of premium. I will um, absolutely be doing that. Yeah, it's a fun thing. Um, but yeah, like it's been a been a really cool episode. Um, we're gonna talk some shoot 'em ups. We're gonna be playing a Zelda like game next. Um, and who's to say we won't have anything else to talk about or other news as we go on? Exactly. Um, <laughs> what um what projects are you working on right now, Tristan? What do you got coming up? Well, let's see. Well, you know, um, I'm 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 really I'm I'm hitting a sprint here with uh you know my video game collector's field guide, the one that was just successfully funded on Kickstarter. Uh, but you know now now that the the funding is there and it's actually going to be absolutely published um, and printed, um, I am finishing it up, which means a whole lot of work. So I'm doing some work right now. Um, on top of that, you know I got premium edition stuff. Uh, our friend John Vanderhoff, I'm sure I butchered his name, but uh, you know Johnny V. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There He's also go. got uh, a couple of other indie titles that he did um, on the side. And uh, he wants me to do manuals for him for that, too. So uh, I'll be doing that as well. Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, your manuals are great, dude. It's no, awesome. I love it. It's fun. Yeah, so um, you're hitting your sprint on the video game uh, Collector's Field Guide. I think I said yeah. console collectors last week or last time, but it was the yeah, video game Collector's Field Guide where you have infinite books. Right? Um, yeah. But 
Um, what I uh, have been working on is I've been doing a back and forth with the printer on the complete NES um, yeah. that is now in printing. It is paid for and in printing. Um, I worked on some crazy holographic style slipcases, though. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I may I may have to steal some ideas. Redo <laughs> the touch and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, bro. Like, really cool embossing on it and stuff. So, um, that was one of the things that was um on the Kickstarter was a a, a um slip guy slipcase version. So yeah. I had real fun developing that. Um, one thing is though is that when I do the backer names in the back of the book, I use their Kickstarter name. So some people are like, well, my name only says Joe now. And I'm like, well, your name on Kickstarter is Joe. Or yeah, sorry, guy. Like, I mean, I used to do like um, backer um, like um, surveys, but then mm. like trying to sort all that out is like a nightmare on Kickstarter. Oh, so gosh, just, that's another thing I have to do, a survey. I just do the Kickstarter names for when I work on my to do list. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, I've, I've got I had that tier where like uh, people could like choose one book or two books. So I have to send out that thing to see what book they want. And then yeah. I have to find out what email they want their digital version sent to. And, you know, of course, their mailing address. And I am because I do mine on WeTransfer or another website where it like mm. the, the link isn't up forever. Um. Like even to this week, I still have people going, "Hey, I missed the link!" Like constantly, over yeah. and over again. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's a new one. I'm gonna upload it again on the same site. Um, yeah. I have to do that again after we get done here. Um, <laughs> and I am still doing problems. Never, and I'm still doing the never-ending story that is the Switch collector. Um, yeah. Year three. I mean, it's already all laid out, so it's ready to go. I just need to do the um, the research for all of the accuracy of the developers and the publishers and the players. And the thing that's crazy is sometimes the games also get updated and they increase players and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So like on switch, there's certain games that got a patch with a multiplayer update. Yeah. The so yeah. If you, if you people can't tell, like both Jeff and I we're we're sticklers for details and we yeah. want to make sure that we're putting what we're putting out there is like you can trust the information in there. So yeah. because of that, there's a whole lot of work that goes into verifying if something's true or not. So I was just telling Jeff that uh, I, I completed the Nintendo DS section of my book today. But then whenever I was doing my double checks and triple checks, I found a couple discrepancies. So now I have to do it all over again, all 1750 games. So, so. No. <laughs> oh, well. you know what? Once it's done, it's and done right, then I never have to do it again. That's that's the way I think about it. Well, and I mean, I even miss stuff like I know year one of Switch Collector. I think we missed Rocket League, mm. and um, so I did a lost but not forgotten section in volume two or yeah, addendum. <laughs> he said yeah. we put Rocket League in there. Um, but as I move to the um abridged it's a little different because the this there's more games per page so it gets harder to you know you put everything together but i'm also doing all of the um unique collector's editions and the collector's items with every release too so i try Mm -hmm. to put at least the biggest collector's version in the book um when i do the indie gaming gems uh book that i do in the future i'm not going to do it abridged though i'm probably going to use um synopsis from steam or another website um you know know, from the developer synopsis yeah of course on the games um 
and then maybe I'll put like a quick comment too on like my little mini quick review like I used to because it'll be fun to do that. Um, but that book's going to take forever. It's just I'm relegating it to it'd be more personal, though, so it'd be easier to do yeah. versus all the research that's crazy with the switch because the switch is just just the way you do it like that doesn't even have the right developer or publisher half the time like the like on nintendo's portal the developer's the publisher so jeff clearly you've you found like some sort of pill to like uh i don't know clone yourself can you share that with me so that i can like uh you know work on stuff do my day job and not go crazy (laughs) well um, there's one thing that I do because you said I'm an army first sergeant. I do the quote of the week. Yeah. Um, and so there was two quotes in the last month. One is Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. So there's no rush in what we do. True. So, Very true. So, so like we just make stuff. Now at one year or my first like couple years, I was keeping up with Kurt Collado, which was insane because we were both putting out like six books like at a time and it was nuts and there's no way um i could i could keep that going while going to like 13 conventions while i was still working seriously you just i i I, I don't it's it's so hard to you know and you have kids or you have a kid i don't so you know there's there's one less thing that i have on my plate one very big thing that i don't have on my plate um, that uh, takes up even more time for you. Uh, so work-life balance is, is a big thing, but like, man, lately, it just seems like everything's piling up for me. So uh, I'm really trying to chip away and make sure that I'm not going crazy. <laughs> well, like for me, I'm OCD. Um, uh-huh. And as Kyle called, uh, called it back in the name, Video Game Bullshit, it's more like hoarding, but organized. Yeah, organized hoarding, <laughs> like hoarding sure, yeah. Organized. Uh-huh. Um, but... Uh, instead of going around, because I used to be real bad around the house and everything, everything had to be like in this perfect spot and doing all that. Um, mm. I've moved that digitally to creating books. Yeah. And like, because Kyle's thing was he would do digital rips of all his movies, his VHS movies, and have them all organized and watch oh, them wow. all his music. He'd have music from like every single concert from Jimi Hendrix for every single one, all organized and everything. I do that in the books. Um, and I'm working on that stuff now. It doesn't have to be perfect for me to be good, but it definitely has to be like complete and holistic. And that's why, like when I did the NES homebrew book, it was all the homebrew stuff. I went down the rabbit hole as far as it goes, Alice. Like I went as far as it is. But yeah, dude. The, the other quote for you, Tristan, that will help you out. If you don't mind, it don't matter. Mm. Gotta work on that. Um, yeah. Because the thing is, like, what I do is I prioritize. So, like, this weekend, I was working on mock-ups for Premium Edition Games because we have a Fall Direct, and I want to have to go for the website. And I know you got me stuff in record time. I got stuff in record time. The thing is, though, the stuff that we created over a weekend is what would take people months. And we created it over a weekend. Yeah, but we're we're so used to – I mean, like, you and I just come up with ideas, though. So, I don't know. And I can't do that every week. I sure. might not. It might take me a month before I hit that creative edge. But like, like two mornings in a row, I woke up, knocked out some amazing stuff. And mm-hmm. like when you go and look at some of the different pieces, because I did all the way out through. Because with like Sunshine, there's a deluxe too, and so yeah. there's like a million different little pieces. And I did some some scary movie inspired stuff. I did some other stuff, mm-hmm. and I had to work on the other games and. 
that NES game we're releasing, I also worked on um, the week prior. And it did take away from me working on any books the last couple weekends. Yeah. But um, the other piece is, is that I've been really, really hitting my stride and enjoying. And, you know, to further complicate things from this week, my nephew, Nate, and his wife, Emily, were in town. And we were showing them around all week, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, they um, left out on Saturday morning. Um, I stayed home because I had, a, like, a stomach bug, too, yesterday. Like, aye, I aye. I was crushed. Um, but in between that, I was working on designs. <laughs> so I got a lot done, though. Um, but yeah, we've been running around and doing that. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be out of commission because tomorrow's Labor Day for us here in the U.S. Because um, we're recording on a Sunday. But it's my anniversary. So. Oh, uh, wow. Well, yeah. happy anniversary. Yeah, uh, thanks. And we're going How many years is it put you on the spot? Um, 13. 13? Right on. Yeah, we, were, we were married in 2010, so it's easy. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 13 years. So um, I told her lucky number 13. I got to buy her J- something Jason Voorhees. Mm. But she said it's something else. I don't even know. Like there's a little thing you're supposed to do every year for marriage. Just yeah, we've never ever yeah. followed. A, you well, know, that we also thing. buy each other stuff all the time. Like yeah. it's like today. I think she want my wife wanted a Kirby controller at GameStop when we were there. Like a little pink Kirby controller. So nice. like, yeah, go ahead and get it. Like, I ended up getting a copy of, I don't know if it's Kenya or Kenna um, for the PS5. It's like a platformer game that was released at the launch of the PS5. It was, it was like 20 bucks used. So okay. I was like, I don't think I have that. So I got like Kenna Spirit, something of spirits. And um, it's supposed to be one of the, the marquee platformer games that was released with the PS5 when it was released. Um, so I picked that up. And there wasn't anything really switched that I wanted. But... There's a million Switch games that I haven't bought, though, because I stopped collecting for Switch, like, hardcore, <laughs> like... Oh, it's unsustainable. <laughs> There's you know? so much shovelware now. The, you know, with with uh, uh, any console, and I, historically, just look look at the Wii, look at the Nintendo DS. Um, any console that has a, an install base, a huge install base, has a ton of shovelware. Well, it's just inevitable. I do feel like, though, and we can talk about this in a future episode, that the Switch is going to be the hardest console to collect for of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you think about it, um, limited run games started with the yeah. Vita and it, with, and then moved over to PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, they continued Eventually over the Switch, the Switch and some a-holes named Premium Edition Games and a bunch of other a-holes. <laughs> I'm jerks. Um, but it's more like with the PS3 era, you had these crazy collector's editions that started to pop up. Yeah. So you have this combination now in this generation, generations later, that you have limited print companies popping up that cover indie titles. That's always going to be us. I want to mm-hmm. help the little guys because um, they're cool as hell. Um, and then you have all the collector's editions on top of it. And so you have like the double-edged sword and then the switch itself is all limited print like everything outside of first party nintendo is pretty much five thousand or less that in, like unless you're like yep. a konami or a capcom um they're pretty mm-hmm. much all doing that nowadays so it's wild to me because like collecting this console later is going to be a damn nightmare <laughs> um and i've seen people talking about that they're going to omit the non-retail games um, but my question is, is what do you consider retail? Well, 
if if I were to uh, in the future go for a switch set, I know what books I would pick up first as reference. Yes. Yeah. And I even number the releases based on what they switch, what they mm-hmm. what they do for switch versus what they do internally. So some companies, they do their internal numbering system and they keep it going by their PS4 or switch too. And they just keep the numbers going. I do yeah. it via on. Um, there's an awesome Reddit thread that does like the numbering systems. And I use that as my law for when I do the switch numbering. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Give them credit for it too for the the numbering. But the thing is, is that um, like I would because the thing is like even Premium Edition Games is at retail, in in certain. It's been on Walmart's website. It's been in Amazon. Like so yeah, and what, it's been on the shelves of Best Buy. Yeah, it's been everywhere. Well, I'm saying for premium. Oh, premium. I'm stuff. sorry. Yeah, my my bad. I, no, my we have weren't... been. Yeah, so premium has been on. Walmart premium has been yeah, on mm-hmm. on Amazon and it's been on multiple retro gaming stores, lots yeah. of gaming stores. So that's the thing. It's been distributed to gaming stores. Now, do, is that traditional retail? No, it's not. But is it like because the thing is, it's not financially viable to go to a Best Buy or a GameStop. We're going to drop the price of your game. No, so if you're absolutely a niche not. Publisher, if you're a niche publisher focused on quality, which we're the only one that does this, um, it doesn't make sense for us to go there. But um, limited run games is at Best Buy and stuff. So yeah, that sorry, that's, what, that's what I meant. Yeah, you're, you got limited run on the brain. It's all good. But Apparently. they um, – they though don't put every one of their games on there. So then, what do you just pick and choose which versions? What about um, NIS America that puts some of their stuff only on their website? Yeah. Do those not count now because they didn't sell it at retail? Like no, they count. Square Enix put the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. I'm pretty sure they didn't put that in stores. I'm pretty sure it was only on their website. Yeah. Yeah, that's does, right. Does Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster will not count then? Um, <laughs> I know. Like you know what I mean? That's Final oh, Fantasy. Boy. Final Fantasy what doesn't count for a collection. Yeah, so like in other words, in my opinion, it all counts, and all regions. Of count. course, yeah. Because like Okami is in another region. Onimusha, freaking yeah, Final if, Fantasy if VII, you're not, If you're going to discount something, then you have to discount. I mean, like there, where where did you draw the line? So you have mm-hmm. to include everything, everything. If you're collecting completionist perspective now yes. anybody can collect whatever the hell they want. So if they don't want to count stadium events for their own personal NES collection. That's theirs. Sure. Like, will they be complete? No. But will mm-hmm. they have a complete collection for them? Yes. So that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a complete NES collection. It's great. It's awesome. Because I used to say Kyle and I have a complete NES collection. Mm-hmm. And I am, I have it all now, unfortunately. I would rather have, you know, Kyle have it all. For sure. <laughs> but but um, will I ever have a complete Switch collection? No. Um, absolutely not. And like initially, I was collecting stuff that was cool, stuff that looked like I would enjoy it. I have since moved to the Steam Deck um, because it's much easier for me to collect and, and capture all of that. Hell, even my Switch collection that I have here, I have in these. Yeah. This is all of my games. Big so old cases. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so cool. I, I mean. I mean, I have that's what I brought with me to Hawaii. I left everything in a my storage unit and I brought all of those and I selected the ones I want to play. 
Um, so I didn't even bring all my Switch games. To me, I was like, oh, okay, well, if I'm not even bringing all the games, then why would I be collecting everything or even remotely everything that are cool? So it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. But yeah, the rabbit hole goes deep when you're talking collecting this generation. And I feel for people. Um, I'm writing a book on it. And it's a damn nightmare. I know. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel for uh, anyone that's trying to keep track of all this stuff to write about it. <laughs> Ooh, boy. It's crazy. And my thing is, is I'm also taking on the task to cover all the, di- in- the interesting digital games from that year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well. there are, I want to say it's over 20 times as many digital games every year as physical. Like Unreal. it's nuts. And that's why I'm just picking out nuggets and then I cover them. Some of these games will get physical releases later, like in year one. If you look in year one, a lot of those are physical. And the same thing in year two. I think some companies took my book and then contacted developers and signed them. Sure. Um, I mean, doing research for it when we were starting premium for year two, that's how I found Robot Name Fight didn't have a um, physical. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, let's reach out to this guy. Let's yeah. reach out to Matt Bittner. And you know, the rest we got is history. amazing game. But, um, yeah, that's the thing, though, doing this research. There's so many indie gaming gems out there. That's why I want to do a book on it, too. I think that'll be interesting. And it'll be another fun, atmospheric aspect because um, initially I was just picking out, like, a few games that maybe we'd want to sign as premium. And then mm-hmm. it turned into hundreds and hundreds of games. And I'm like, now I can't even play them all in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way we could uh. sign them off premium. So we might well, not well. with that attitude, you won't. <laughs> um, the other thing is now we can play them for video game bullshit as homework and yeah. enjoy them. And then now if they blow our socks off, we go, hey, Barry, reach out to these dudes. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, if developers start following us, then, hey, sign the game. We, if mm-hmm. we love it, sign it. Support these indie developers. Be amazing. That's right. Uh, all right. So shall we um, call it a do? I think so. We've talked awesome. enough. Awesome. Um, so thank you everybody for listening to video game bullshit. Remember, we're playing Soldier Story. Soldier Story. <laughs> Let's figure out how to say it for next time. Um, you know, it's a Zelda game, so play along with us. We do have a Discord for video game bullshit. We don't frequent it as much as we should. Yeah. Um, uh, but if you ping us, we will. Uh, <laughs> hit us for up sure. on Facebook. Hit us up on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and we will see you next time. Later, guys. Mm-hmm.